Hi, I'm Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, and you're listening to Single High, a Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com, the official home of the Kyle Hamilton fan club. Welcome to a Fiesta Bowl post-mortem edition of the Single High Notre Dame Football Podcast uh, from UHND.com. I am one of your therapists, I mean uh, podcasters, for the next hour or so, along with uh, the president of the Kyle Hamilton Fan Club, Mr. Greg Flamong, who is joining me today. We're going to try to talk us all down from the ledge uh, Greg's usually the one that talks me down from the ledge, but I don't, I don't know how this one's going to go at, uh, at this point, <laughs> Greg. I was going to say, you're not the therapist. You're the, you're the patient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're the one in the, uh, on the couch right now. Hey, hey, no. Well, today I'm, I'm in a much better spot. This is why we don't, okay. this is why I don't like to record day of losses. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. I'm in a, I'm in an, I'm in a, in a okay spot, all things considered. Oh, regarding did, you, uh, this team. did you do your yoga today? Your and Shavasana? I do not. I have not ever done yoga. So no, I did not. <laughs> I did not even work out. I was going to work out today, Greg. And then I said, you know what? I got, I got one more holiday day here, dude. I got, I think I mentioned something last week. I only have like three days left of this amazing 12 week paternity before I got to go oh, back man. to work. So I was like on the couch. My wife was like, I'm going to go work out. I'm like, I'm going to just sit here. I'll be good for a little <laughs> while. Eagles game came on. I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to have a Pilsner because, <laughs> because that leaves the option of working out after the game open. And that, that, that window shut pretty quick. And, uh, I was like, I'm going to have a day. I'm going to have one more, one more day on that note. I have a wonderful beer here. It's sad. Because I had this all lined up for a Fiesta Bowl celebration. It's called All Green Everything. Oh. oh right? It's a great name. It's 10.5% alcohol, which is <laughs> like borderline wine. But you know what, Greg? I'm going to open it. I'm going gonna, I'm to drink this while we, while we podcast here. It's still relevant today because whew, while we are podcasting here, my friend, my Philadelphia Eagles are very likely to clinch a spot. In the NFL playoffs, as long what as do you, the, what do you need? We need the Green Bay Packers, and I didn't check what the score was. It's we thirty need, to three. Thirty to three. You know, it feels insurmountable, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows anymore? Nothing is these, real these days. Um, and on that note, let's just jump into what the hell happened in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl because 
I got to tell you, man, of all of the outcomes that could have happened, I can't think of one <laughs> that was more deflating as a Notre Dame fan because like, you, you take the outcome and you take you know the you know the course of action or the process, whatever you want to call it, of, of getting to the outcome out of the equation. And a week ago, you tell me Notre Dame is going to lose the Fiesta Bowl by two points. Jack Cohn's going to throw for 500 yards. Uh, Lorenzo Styles is going to break out. Michael Mayer is going to look like the Mackey Award winner that he should have been. Uh, and I would have probably said, yeah, you know, I could see it. You know, and 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 been like, yeah, you know, I knew all the things that were you know up against Notre Dame coming into this game. I would have probably been like, yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> the fact that it just jumped out to such that to to, to the twenty eight to seven lead, and then like watching it all just evaporate and having the feeling of hopelessness was it was about as deflating as, <laughs> as a debut as I could have imagined for the Freeman era. And I think that is I think that's what has us all down. Uh, because again, if again, I, if I told you two weeks ago, Notre Dame's going to lose the Fiesta Bowl by two points, would you have been like, you would have been upset, but would you probably wouldn't have been like, oh, you know, like, but if I would have told you Notre Dame's going to blow a 21 point lead in the Fiesta Bowl, you probably been like, there's no way, there's no way Notre Dame's blowing a 21 point lead. Uh, I would not have thought that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never like the only time I didn't, um, the only time I would have actually felt like they had it is if they would have stopped them before the half. Yeah. Uh, but since they didn't, I was kind of like, uh-oh. I was like, not uh-oh, but like, you know, Doors because open. yeah, because of the the way that the game was um and they were getting the ball to start the second half. That's why right. that's so so the way the game was killer. the way the game was playing out, it didn't like I I I thought, "Oh, like I they need a stop." And then I'll be fine. And honestly, even if it was a field goal, I would have been like, okay. But that, since it was a touchdown, I I was like, all right, now they need another stop. Yeah. Because I, I still felt like, okay, one of these two possessions, you need to stop. Yeah. And they didn't get one on either one. So no. obviously that's like, that's when I was like, okay, like for all intents and purposes, the offense went up 28-7 or the team went up 28-7. And they didn't try to score before the end of the half. So basically, they go up 28-7. The next time the offense is on the field trying to score, it's 28-21. So, like, it's just a complete – it's like the game has changed. Yeah. Basically, before, like, in a way that they never even got the ball to try to answer. So um, Let's go back to the not trying to score there because that's been a big point of contention from Notre Dame fans. Obviously, yeah. hindsight is always going to be 2020. Do you think, and my thought, well, I'll ask you first, is do you think that Freeman, again, first time head coach, looked at that and said to himself, I never imagined I would have 28 points for my offense at halftime in this game. I'm confident that we're going to be able to go in, make some adjustments. And we'll be able to, you know, to to nip this in the bud. And what I don't want to happen is I don't want to get too aggressive here and have an interception lead to another field goal or worse, lead to another touchdown. 
at the end of the half because it's not like they had great field position to start that to, to start that drive. So I get they, they had three that they had the three timeouts, but for, I mean, I mean, Grill, I mean, Oklahoma State did it in 42 yeah. seconds. So it's hard. It, I have a hard time killing him on that because it's like as a defensive coach, you gotta think, you gotta there be thinking like I have faith in my defense. And do you? Th- I, I, and again, I can't imagine any Notre Dame fan in their wildest dreams thought Notre Dame was putting up 28 points in the right. first half of that game. So, what were your thoughts on on not attacking there, running the draw, and then just going to halftime? So, what he said was. Um, basically what you just described, right? Hmm. Like he said, I don't, I, I didn't want us to do something stupid. And I, I believe that was pretty close to the exact quote. Yeah. I didn't want us to do something stupid and allow them another chance at points going into the half. So he just figured, so he's figured, you know, we'll go in up 14. We're still in a good spot, come out, regroup, get a stop. And then we're, we're fine. Right. That's what he was thinking. Yeah. Um, I, I can't fault that. Like the, 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 right. Like that's fine. Right. And, and, and someone asked me, um, who was it? Oh, it was in the DMS. It was a uh, Josh from one foot down. He asked me if, or we were talking about if Kelly tries to score there and so. obviously it's, it's unknown. I, I feel like he would not have. No. Cause um, we saw it. Right. So UBA. Right. So I don't think he would have. Um, what, what, what I what I will say is I wanted Freeman in the moment. I wanted him to um, to try just because it's consistent with the message that he's trying to push for the program. Say, you know, challenge everything. Yeah. Right. We're always competing. We're always pushing the limit. Right. Yep. So then push the limit. Fair. And that, I, so I that's mean, why I wanted them to do it. Like in and, and the funny thing is, is in the uh, in the Rose Bowl, um, Ohio State got the ball with 35 seconds left, so two seconds less, and they obviously have a much better passing game than Notre Dame does. But I mean, not yesterday, right? Like yesterday, they had a great passing game. Yeah. Uh, but generally speaking, right? Like you, that's the kind of offense that they run. Um. And they went for it, and the clock ended up running out. Yeah. So it's like I, I think that everyone assumes that just because Notre Dame would have tried for it, they would have scored. They would have scored. Right, right, right. And, and that, that's like a faulty assumption. We don't right. know that. So right, that's right. why, to me, it's like, look, they, I wanted them to try just for the consistency of the message that's you're fair. trying to push. And but let me be clear. Does, I wish it, we would have tried. Like I don't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and like I wish we would have tried, but at the same time, I don't. Like I can look at that situation and go, I can clearly see the logic there, and it's sound logic. It's not. It's not irrational for Freeman to think, shit. I just got way more production than I ever thought. Like more. I. I most of the name fans. I. I didn't think we were gonna get twenty eight points in the game let alone the first half. Right. So yeah. like it, it, the, the logic is sound. If anything, like the play call was weak. Like don't run it. If, I mean, if you're going to just try to run out the clock, like don't run a draw, like call it a little screen pass or something like that. Like get, 
get Tyree out in space, see if he can pick up some yards, use your time, you know, like, and then do it. So that was, if anything, the only qualm I had there. But I mean, in, in retrospect, there's, there was so much else that went wrong that led to the demise and there, you know, the collapse that we all watched that that's probably lower on my list. Um, Cause I know, again, there's a lot of fans who have been like, I've seen it on Twitter. Like, Oh, if we just went for it there, we, the game's over. We went and it's like, no, like, I'll, yeah, what did, yeah, well, yeah, everyone loves Lou Holtz, right? What did Lou Holtz say about, about passing the football? Yeah, three things can happen and two of them are bad. So, like, yeah. t- something bad could have happened there too. It could have been worse. Like, so I, it's not, I, I, I like your point of it would have been consistent with attack, attack, attack. But, like, right. I don't think that to me is not why we lost the game. Uh, no, to me, to me, yeah, it's not even like a factor in it, to be honest, like in my opinion. So, so speaking of the defense, not adjusting. What the hell, man? What, how did a quarterback who came into this game with 16 touchdown passes in 13 games to 12 interceptions carve up Notre Dame? Like, I mean, the, the only other quarterbacks that have done this that, that did to Notre Dame what uh, Spencer Sanders did yesterday or Saturday, because most of you'll be listening to this hopefully on Monday or Tuesday. It, I mean, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence had a great game in you know in the in the ACC championship game last year, but like, man, it, it, it was shocking to me because leading into this game, it was like, okay, that's an advantage for Notre Dame was Spencer Sanders turns the ball over. He's not a great quarterback. The fact that the first team big 12 quarterback had 16 touchdown passes in 13 games is ridiculous, by the way. Like, how does that, what is hell? What the hell has happened to the big 12? Uh, that your, your top quarterback has 16 TDs in, in 13 games, but how, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, general idea of, of how this happened but like what are your thoughts just on like what broke down and is it long-term problems for notre dame or is this things that that you know was a one game deal um because we got a big big task <laughs> week one well that's uh, separate passing i mean that, that that's a separate thing right yeah. i mean I, but here's the thing so i a couple comments so first you have, how could this happen, right? Yes. I guarantee you every Oklahoma State fan is watching that first half and their defense just get absolutely shredded by Jack Cohn. Yeah, fair. And they're saying, what is going on? I mean, that mm-hmm. defense is number three in, in uh, you know, SP plus, right? Yeah, yeah. They, 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 and everyone's talking about can't run. No one ran on this team. Nobody, True. and no one, like the they most like yards, eighty-seven yards a game. The most or yards they gave up was something like they gave up for over four hundred yards total offense one time, the whole season, and that was to we hit that like at halftime. Jack Cohn had it at almost. It was like yeah, he had we had like three forty, three fifty. Yeah, he had like three fifty passing at halftime. Right, yeah. that defense is getting shredded, and they are probably thinking the same thing. Right. Very, so very plays plays get made in in games like this. OK, so there's that part of it. The second part of it is we saw. This defense 
without Kyle, and we always thought, man, if going in the Virginia game before we knew Brendan Armstrong was hurt, we thought, man, what are they going to do to us? Yeah, like they got they they were vulnerable against North Carolina, against not just North Carolina passing, but also Sam Howell running, yep. which was a harbinger oh. because Spencer Sanders ran for a hundred oh. and whatever. And I got to tell you, I, I think that part was the more damaging yeah. more than the passing because he continually got out of trouble. We are sending blitzes where there are people unblocked rushers and he is just stepping out of the way and running for yards and yeah. it killed us. And everyone's saying and there's no one there. Like right. nobody in the middle of the field. They're blitzing. You send yeah. a free rusher and and there's no one left and he yeah. just steps to the side and runs by them and everyone's saying like why why are we why are we blitzing our linebackers and like to me it's like if your adjustment as a coach is okay they're getting over on us so i'm going to heat them up and then you get free rushers all over the place and they're not getting home and they're not making the play then you got to adjust to that as a defensive coordinator, but also like your plan was a good one. Yeah. They had a good plan there. It just, you didn't make the place. Right. Ugh. So that's part of it. How many Second missed sacks did it. we have? Well, Three, I'll say this. Four. I don't know how many missed sacks. They had 18 missed tackles. Oh, Oklahoma oh, state, oh, oh. Oklahoma state had four. And so 18 Ooh. is the most of the year. The other game the second most was Florida State. At least it's and, symmetrical. And those exactly. And those two <laughs> games were incredibly similar, right? So similar. Get out, to, get out to a big lead, and then the wheels fall off on both ends. Yeah. Right. You're 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 moving it on them. You're moving it on, and suddenly you 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 so break wild. down on offense, and then the defense just can't figure it out. And offensively, you're just like. It, we went from 350 in the first half to, like, how do we get a first down there for a little while? It was insane. Right. Anyway, and I think, back to the defense. Think, well, that but, was, okay, so we'll stick to the defense. Yeah. So so I think the, the biggest problem that I have right, like, now, because I haven't had a ton of time to rewatch it. Dude, don't do that to yourself. But Well, I have to. <laughs> but you do not? No, I literally have to. Like, oh. I'm... I have to record with Jamie. I mean, yeah. if Just go I'm off not of memory. Go off of memory. <laughs> so, so, like, so, um, so, but the, but at the end of the first half, yeah. And this was I, I, honestly like one, like one of the bigger mistakes, like coaching wise, in I saw, the I whole game. Because I saw your tweet. Right, and it, honestly, it goes beyond the tweet because it, like, it didn't get changed ever. So. There's like 116 left in the half. Yeah. Notre Dame's up 21. Clearly, and you know Oklahoma State gets the ball. Yeah. You have to not. You have to keep them out of the end zone. Not even just a touch, you, you, like a field goal. Like you have to keep them out of the end zone. Yeah. That is the job. And it, honestly, like you have to think if we keep them out of the end zone on this drive, we and they have a minute 16, and you're thinking we have a minute 16 to essentially win the game because if they don't score here, it makes it very, very difficult. Yeah. And, and they come out in 10 personnel, which is four wide receivers and one back, no tight ends. And we came out in our base defense. 
three linebackers, four down, four down, four defensive backs. The first play, they hit a slot, and and Bertrand misses a tackle. He if he tackles them, it's a five yard gain, right? And the clock is running, right? And you know, then you're you're fine. You're kind of on schedule there. He misses the tackle, and instead he runs for another eight yards. So it's like a gain of thirteen. Okay, and now they're moving quickly. We still have base personnel in the game. Next play, they have Brennan Presley matched up against Jack Kaiser. Safety that's basically moving away from where Presley's end up running, right? They have a single safety in the middle of the field, and he's going basically to the trips. So Presley runs a seam. Kaiser can't keep up because he's a linebacker chasing one of their fastest players. And he gives up a 41-yard gain. They're, you know, that Notre Dame is now scrambling, right? They're not. The clock isn't really running at this point because they're setting the chains and all those things. It, it would have been a good time for a timeout at time that out. point, right? That's because because then it's coach. like, look, the clock isn't really running. It, that's a Freeman call. It would that's be a rookie to head say, coach. Hey, yeah. We need to take, and not just that, but like you're a defensive coordinator, like have an instinct to say, like, hey, we we got to get out of this, right? Yeah, but they don't. So again, they they snap the ball, and Sanders is you know gets pressure, gets out of the pressure. Adam Alola's hold held, but they don't call it. Yeah, it was bad. And so then you know DJ Brown comes up, misses the tackle. Sanders runs for twelve yards, right? Yeah. And now they're in the red zone, and you're still in base, and so they. They call timeout at that point. They come out of the timeout in base still, except this time they've taken Cam Hart off the field and they've inserted Bracey, who they put on the boundary, and then they move uh, Clarence Lewis to the to the field where Cam Hart usually plays, and he gives up a touchdown on the next play. Yeah. Out of base personnel. It's just kind of – like upsetting. what is going on? Like that that you and there's st- and the whole time Oklahoma State is in 10 personnel. Yeah. That is just kind of inexplicable. Like that is something I don't understand. Is like, that possibly any sort of again, this is the first time out for Freeman as head coach, Elston filling in at his role. And is is it just a miscommunication where you have the staff doing again, I'm trying to find the bright side here. Is it maybe just like, oh, there's miscommunication. This is a whole new operation. Uh, you're down coaches or you're down, you know, full time coaches. I want to hope that's what it is, because it does feel like, oh, why? Like, how did that happen? Like, that should not happen in game 13. Well, I guess to say game 13, it's not game 13 for this. It's staff, true. It's you know, game one. and that's the thing. And and so we get it. We have a question from my bot, my guy at Michael Muto, who asked, and I'll just do it now because it's relevant to the answer. Does Brian Kelly win the game? And I think. Maybe the only reason the answer would be yes is because. It's not that it's Brian Kelly. It's that Marcus Freeman is fully focused on calling the defense. 
True. And maybe he so, doesn't have us in base in a situation where they're clearly just going to pass. Right. Yeah. So. I don't know, though. I mean, the thing I'll say, because I saw Michael's question come in. Um, nice, subtle troll, Michael. Yeah, I don't uh, know if he's trolling or what he's doing yeah, there. It's a sad, I, think yeah, I mean, a, I, I do think, but I, I did. I mean, there has been enough discussion yeah. um, about it to where I don't think, it's like. I mean, name another time that a Brian Kelly team jumped out to a 28 to 7 lead on a good defensive team. Rare. Uh, I'm sure it's probably happened maybe once, you know what I mean? But like rare. No. Yeah, no. Doesn't happen. And, exactly. And, and, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get to the offense later. So, it's so like, that's the, that's the thing is like, if it's Brian Kelly, are we even in the position where you could choke the lead because you get the big lead? And I'll tell you what, I don't know if Brian Kelly would have won the game. You know who I know wouldn't have won the game though, Greg? Clay Helton. If Clay Helton was the head coach <laughs> of the Fighting Irish, I'm certain that we would have lost this game. By more, I, I mean, the, by a I, lot I, more. I, I'm going to make a sad comment. Oh boy. Okay. Are, are yeah. you ready for my sad comment? Clay Helton won a Rose Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He did win he a Rose. Did. He did. He yeah. also lost to Notre Dame 49-14 once. <laughs> That's, true. <laughs> That's true. He did. So hey, um, Tyrone Willingham won some Rose Bowls, my friend. Did he not? Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was the one time where I thought schematically we were doing the wrong thing. Yeah. The, like, I mean, the, the most the obvious to where it's like, I don't understand why you're doing this. I don't know. I mean, there's personnel challenges, you know, that, that and, and I, to be honest, I think the one thing that really stood out to me in this game was that like all of the personnel shortcomings, holes, whatever you want to hell, whatever you want to call them, the, you know, the, the problems of roster construction that this team had that for some reason, for the most part, like I'm going to say 12 teams, could not exploit the roster holes that Notre Dame had. Because even in the Cincinnati game, like it that, that, that loss was more on Notre Dame messing up a lot versus like Cincinnati exploiting anything other than maybe they did get Pierce lined up, you know, one-on-one a couple times and took advantage of some deep shots. They got, well, they got Lewis, they got Lewis five for one forty-four in that. So, but this was like the first time this year that I I looked at this and I was like, all of, it was like all of the, the kind of the fears that we had about this team that largely didn't get exploited all year long, all got exploited in one game. And you're like, well, okay. They did have a month-ish or whatever, not quite a full month, but almost a month to prepare. So, you know, maybe that is, you know, that that played a role, um, you know, in, in, in some of it. But things like the issues in the secondary, uh, I wrote in my one article today, like the war of attrition at linebacker for Notre Dame was finally lost because we were down to like four linebackers. And it looked, I mean, even with a month off, like Bertrand looked like a guy who played way too many snaps all year long and was just like run down. Because um, all of the misses that he had, he was making the first four or five weeks of the season. Um, so there was that. And it it really had shone a light on, 
I think areas that Freeman is going to have to address. Uh, now it's his problem, right? It's it, it was it, it was things that we were able to kind of you know maneuver around and uh, you know patch up throughout the season. But now those problems, this big light was shone on them in the Fiesta Bowl, and I think the I, I think the secondary and the linebacking core that you see line up in Columbus will be very different than what we saw in that game. Uh, I hope so. It has to be. It does have to be. And but here, here's here's what I'll say though about the defense. We we saw them get shredded pretty good against Florida State, right? Yeah. And we saw them because here's the thing with like even the USC game, right? That game's 24 to 3. Notre Dame's in complete control in the second half. And USC goes down and scores 24 to 10. Notre Dame turns it over. USC goes down and scores. Yeah. And it's 24 to 16 because they missed extra point. And it's like Man, they just walked down the field on us twice. Yeah. And you're thinking, man, if Notre Dame doesn't score here, we're, we're kind of in trouble. But what do they do? They lean on Kyron. Yeah. And he they go down and score, make it 31-16, and that ends the game. And you could tell in this game, after uh, it's 28-21, they tried to run the ball. They tried to do the thing that they did where it's like, we need to reestablish control of this game. But you don't have Kyron out there. And he doesn't make the play for you. And we, you know, you and I talked about it. Like, what does it look like when Kyron isn't there? Not mm-hmm. just his his ability as a player, but his spirit as a player. To where Kyron is... is that guy is a gamer and he's a competitor and you put him in a game like that and he's going to make a play. He'll break a tackle. He'll make a move that someone else doesn't see and he'll make a play when you need yep. him to make a play. And, and it's like, you know, I, I can't even get on digs and I can't even get on Tyree mm-hmm. because that that's not, I, I said it before, like that's not their role. It is not there. It has never been their role this year. Yeah. That was Kyron's spot and he wasn't there. For reasons that we understand, but he yeah. wasn't, and that that there are consequences to that, and we saw it. Yep. So. Yeah. And I, I will say, I think uh, it was the first time that Diggs looked like a freshman this year. It, it, he did. And but why did he look like a freshman? He's it's a because freshman. we were because we were counting on him. Yeah. Before it was all complimentary. Well, also, he played against all... some. He played against some not great defenses and i and when i say he looked like a freshman it was like there's there was the one play specifically what was it it was like a third it was, it was third, third, and two. third and two where he it like went up 14 nothing he tried to dance he tried not dance he tried to like be he did the patient thing he did the patient thing which is fine against yeah north carolina it's fine against virginia like some of the bad defenses and it worked great and it's 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 growing pains um you know i saw his tweet afterwards where it looked like he really took his fumble to heart, which it's like, honestly, man, like, again, of all of the plays, I kind of, I don't want to say I forgot about the fumble, but it's like, uh, that was not like a, it wasn't an egregious fumble. It wasn't like a, 
oh, I'm, you know, throwing the ball out here type thing. It was like, a, you know, he's trying to get to the ground. And I'm not mistaken, he was like on top of somebody, too, when the ball came out. So, like, if that guy's not there, he's on the ground. So it's, it's not a not a dig on digs by by any means. But it's, you know, when you're relying on a true freshman, two true freshmen at running back, it catches up to you. So, so older people like us will remember this. It reminded me of the fumble that Reggie Brooks had in the 93 Cotton Bowl. Oof. Where, oh yeah. That's throwing and, back and, there, and, man. And Reggie Brooks, if you're listening, no no worries, man. I understand. He's not listening. Don't worry. So what happened <laughs> is... Um, Although we might he, be able to get him on this pod, so be nice. You could, you could see Diggs. He's he's you know not even lunging for yards. He's just on top of somebody, yeah. and yeah, the so, guy yeah. and the guy and the ball is not loose. It's not any of that, but it's kind of up there, and the guy is able to get his arms underneath, yeah. and you can tell Diggs is trying as fast as he can to get his other hand up there to secure it, and he doesn't get there in time, and he rips it out, yeah. and it's just like, just kind of. And, and when the play's happening, you see, oh, no, he's he's in a good spot. He's going to rip at this, and he rips it, and out it comes. And you yep. just – your heart sinks, right? Because it's like, oh, man, that's just like a tough, tough play for yeah. Diggs. It's a tough play for, you know, the offense and everything. So – but that's their guy making a play. Yeah. And, hey, like, we he, had two he of those, too. Right. We had two he, of those, too. Right? We, had we the, did. We which, did. God. I, I didn't want to think about it at the time, but I saw somebody tweet it later, and I was like, oh, shit, he's right. Like, dude, they had a fumble into the end zone, and they had a fumble inside the 20. This could have been worse. <laughs> oh, it absolutely could have. It absolutely could have. It, it, it could, ah! They could have they really gotten, like, blown out. I mean, they that, were they were not. We were down 20, or we were up 21. We could have been, like, I mean, we were down, what was it, nine was the, was the biggest margin. But like it could have been like easily, 17. It easily could have been, uh, which yeah. is like, I mean, it could have been a 38 point turnaround. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that would have, that would have been, what was seven? Oh man. I should know the year up hand 74 USC game. What was the USC the year with the USC game? It was 74 yeah, what was it? It was before our time. So we, yeah. we, we don't have to know the year offhand. What was it? 24, nothing. It was something. Yeah. 24, nothing. And then we lost like 45, 24 or something like ridiculous. 55, 55. Jesus. Yeah. Man, thank God Twitter didn't exist then. I'd have been banned. <laughs> I thought I did rather well yesterday, by the way, um, from not just fully melting down on the. Uh, if okay, what? you're grading yourself on a curve, big guy, and it's fine. Listen, listen, Frank. No judgment. Yeah, you are the way you are. Did I say anything? I I did not have to go back and delete anything. There's games where I delete things. <laughs> I said, you, you know what? You didn't. It, yeah, I mean, I you were just. That's fine. It's fine. I'm going to go back and look now because I was like, wait, I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, I used the word embarrassment at times. (laughs) Blowing a 21 point lead is embarrassing. That's not like. But it's not like it's only embarrassing for us. It's not like it just it just happens sometimes. It just I mean, it hadn't happened since 1991. So it's a long time. Why don't we do questions? This is going to be like a three-hour pod. Let's do questions because it'll it'll incorporate the offense. Okay. All right. We got to do questions. I can't do a seven-hour pod. 
We're not going to do I can't do a seven hour pod. It's, <laughs> it's 11, 12 local time, my friend. Let's do let's do questions. Oh, shit. Did we get more questions while we were recording? No, we didn't. I think we. Oh, wait, hold well, on. Maybe we did. We um, might have. Let me go to the tweet here. Um, uh, dot, dot, dot. Where was this? Uh, let me just go to my report. Okay. So, and also, I'm still maintaining that I that I did fairly okay in terms of uh, in terms of my tweets. I'm gonna go back and look now, though. Just maybe, maybe there are things that, in retrospect, I would have removed. But all right, here we go. Um. Late notice. Okay, there's 19 responses to this tweet, so there might be some questions here. Okay, let's start. You just went, are we doing these chronologically? Let's just go through them chronologically. Yeah, at this just, point. Yeah. Um, and if there are, uh, if there's ones that, uh, if there's ones that we've already talked about, we'll go through that. Okay, so we have Chris Jenkins. Uh, who, thank you, Chris. You sent us a lot of questions, um, you know, each week. So we, uh, you know, we appreciate that. <laughs> we appreciate Thanks, Chris. that. Thank you. Uh, he wrote, so saw on Facebook, not sure if it's true that Quinn and Dell got canned. Um, you heard anything like that? Um, and now that Austin is leaving, um, how does the wide receiver situation look to y'all? Hashtag go Irish, hashtag beat Buckeyes, hashtag still destroyed from Saturday's game. Same to the last one, Chris, still destroyed from Saturday's game, but but have risen from the ashes and have, uh, have seen the light. Um so, I mean, I think we all assumed Quinn and Dell have been gone for a while. I, I I haven't seen anything official, official, but I think it's like we're not. I don't think we're going to until they name a new O line and receivers coach. Um, I don't think their name's going to release like a press release that says we have let go <laughs> these guys, right? Like, yeah, that would not be yeah. the way that they do this. Um. Yeah. So the question was, have you heard anything like that? Right. Okay. Yes. And the answer is I've heard a lot of things like that. Oh, hello. Um, well, I, of course. Right. Like, you know, you, uh, you know, you hear that stuff. Um, yeah. So. I, I think it's fairly common knowledge that Quinn was is not coming back. Yes. It's also fairly common knowledge at this point that Harry he stand is odds on favorite to replace him. Odds that on, is, I would say definitely odds on favorite. That is like that is that at this point that's no longer premium information. That's literally everywhere. So I don't think right. I think we're fine with sharing yeah. that. So yeah. Um and and on to Dell. On to Dell. Um I don't think he will be back. I yeah I I, I can't imagine any way you can bring that guy back. I'm sorry. Like I mean it's just how can you it, it is it it would be tough it would be difficult how do you sell uh, that to anybody like honestly. i don't know i, so I don't think thing about I, it I though, you, the weirdest thing about it to me was that dell was the only coach whose like position was like kind of up in the air who through december i kept seeing tweets and pictures like of him with 2023 20, kids and 2024 20, kids and i was like wait what like and i'm like why i was like is he coming back they're sending him out to visit like you know 2023 recruits and 2024 recruits and it's like okay maybe he is but the way wide receiver went i just i can't imagine it man and i mean to to chris's next point of now that austin is leaving how does the wide receiver situation look and i mean we know Lindsay's back Lindsay announced he's coming back that's 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 public knowledge as well 
So, but even with Braden and Lindsey, assuming all the underclassmen receivers come back, and you got Tobias Merriweather, that's five <laughs> right now. Right now, as of January 2nd, 1.16 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we record this, five scholarship receivers for for the spring ball. And look, we had five scholarship receivers, uh, you know, in the Fiesta Bowl, and you saw what happened, which, you, shit, we haven't talked about this, but, like, what happened with the rotation? Like, I don't, I get, I no, I don't get it, Um, is because... Uh, Colsey was playing in the second half of the season and Colsey had three snaps in the Fiesta Bowl and Jaden Thomas had zero snaps. I get like, Oh, maybe he's not ready fully, but like you had a month to get Jaden Thomas ready to at least give one of these receivers a break, right? Like maybe and I, I wrote this, I was like, well, you know, maybe, maybe Lorenzo styles has a quarter to a half more step in him that yeah. he and Cone connect on that deep ball in the fourth quarter if he hadn't had to play every freaking snap. And you know, maybe Kevin Austin makes a better play on fourth and seven if he didn't have to play every freaking snap. I I, I just I that part, whoever was controlling the wide receiver rotation, I, I don't get like at all. Like there's there, there was no reason. Like there was even stories that came out like Jane Thomas is having good practices leading up to mm. the Fiesta Bowl. And it's they like, like him. Yeah, it's like you you can't find 10 12 snaps for him to spell one of these other guys. You're going to you're going to drop back Jack Cohn 71 freaking times and you're going to say, "Good luck receivers. Like I want you to run down." Like the fact that I mean when, when did we finally call the reverse to Lenzi where he couldn't turn the corner? Like no shit, he couldn't turn the corner to corner. He's probably gassed because he's running freaking go routes all game and like gets no break. So I I didn't get that. I I just didn't get it at all. Yeah. So, um, so it's not good mm-mm. in terms of numbers. Okay, no. So Lindsay said he was coming back. Yeah. You um, still got Wilkins yes. and Davis. So I think, I think Davis will come back just because it makes the most sense. But he's coming, he's also coming off an ACL that happened in November. So like, that's tough. Right. Right. Well, so he can't like, yeah, like he can't work out. He's going to miss draft, a lot. Right? Yeah. He, well, I mean, well, it, it, that is what it is. But yeah. I'm just talking in terms of, you know, you know, the, if he wanted to go pro, like you're not going to be able to run a 40. You know, you're yeah, not gonna no one's going to draft you yeah. if they know that you're not going to be able to do anything until August earliest. Yeah. Right. Maybe July. And it's like at that point, like you're behind everything. So in terms of yeah, NFL. Wilkins, I don't know. I mean, Wilkins, his injury happened in what? That was Cincinnati game, so that was early October. But um, all right, we'll see what happens with those two. Like, I would love both of them back just because you need the numbers. And I think Davis, like Davis, can miss all that time. And as long as he's healthy and could play, like he could step in and be like, I'm a six-year senior. I know this playbook inside and out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need, I don't need spring ball. I don't need all of this. I just need to get my, you know, my cart, you know, my, uh, you know, my, uh, yeah. I just need to get back into game shape. So I think that would be fine. And I still like Joe Wilkins. Like, I, I don't know why. I think giving him an opportunity, he can be a very productive receiver. Yeah. I mean, I think the know, challenge. Especially his, a, go ahead. No, as I say, the challenge in his re-recruitment is he could be a pretty good receiver somewhere. So, like. Let's say, okay, so you're you're Freeman, you're Reese, you're trying to recruit, re-recruit. 
Joe Wilkins back. Lindsey's back. Let's assume Styles and Colsey and Thomas are back. Merriweather's there. Like, like the 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 fight to get into say like the 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 top line of the rotation is going to be difficult. So it's like, again, I don't. I mean, you don't know. Like maybe you can get him to buy into being a backup and being like just coming back for that. You don't know. I, I'm just saying that that's the challenge. I think. Yeah. He could probably go to a Mac school and be a starting receiver and put up good numbers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It just depends. Like I don't know what his timeline is for returning. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, maybe he wants to go through spring with Notre Dame and then see where it's at. Um, it could be. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, yeah. probably for him. Um, but yeah, I mean but they they got they got to dip into the portal. I mean they have to, they especially do. when you lose Austin, because it's one because I was thinking like it's hard to go into the portal and find someone good when you have Austin and Lindsay and Styles. Styles. It's like those three are like, those are your starters and you like those three guys. Yeah. But with Austin gone, like that's the number one. So you figure, okay, like we can, you could sell somebody on saying like you, you, you can come in and compete with, uh, you know, Deion Colsey. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the sell there. So yeah, it does. It opens up some more options. I actually, I have a, an article in my drafts right now. Hopefully I'll push it live maybe tonight, tomorrow morning where I actually say just that, like the only positive of Austin leaving is it opens up more possibilities in the portal. Yeah. But that said, Notre Dame is better, would have been much better off with, with, uh, with Austin returning. Yeah. I uh, want to say something about uh, Jeff Quinn too, since he was brought up. Go for it. Uh, Oklahoma state. Number one sack team in the nation, uh, 57 sacks this year. Uh, number one team in sack rate. Notre Dame dropped back 72 times. Cone was sacked twice. He was pressured six times. Yes, that's great. <laughs> I mean, it that is. is like it was a like that was the number one pressure team in the nation and it was not a factor in the game we threw the ball 72 times true devil's advocate like that is great i understand what you're going to say about the run game and stuff that's that is but like look they 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 took kyron away from us yeah they didn't kyron removed himself i mean blake fisher i was just gonna say 91 snaps 91 snaps for blake that is insane incredible in freaking sane like he, does he have like a <laughs> superman s like compression shirt on because yeah superhuman. and we it's said like, and we said you know maybe he is just that guy and he is that guy he is that, that is guy nuts play he it, only repped when did he start repping at right tackle i don't even know December. i mean even even that no Matt, like, probably even not the even the fact that like last he, week probably he just they, they just threw him in on the right side and were like hey don't give up anything and he didn't yes which Nuts. i can give you i can give you a this happened shit when was this this was like was this was this was i think two years ago for my beloved philadelphia eagles which hold on we're about to clinch. We got a minute 15 left before the Eagles clinch a playoff yeah. spot. So um, this was like two years ago. Yeah, it was 2019 season. They had a first round draft pick. First round NFL draft pick. Andre Dillard out of uh, Washington State. 
And the same thing happened where they drafted him to be the left tackle. He wasn't playing left tackle. They had an injury at right tackle. And they said it was, it was against the Seahawks. It was a game against the Seahawks. And they said, we need you to play right tackle for this game. And it, again, first round NFL draft pick, he got absolutely positively shredded and destroyed. And he got benched by halftime. And <laughs> in his first start, first start at right tackle. And they interview him afterwards and they're like, what happened? And he was like, are you, are you uh, right-handed? And they're like, or yeah. And he's like, you ever try to do everything in your life left-handed one day? Like, that's how hard what I just did was. Right. And I like, I was thinking about that because I'm like, that's a guy who was drafted. He's like, nine, I mean, he's like 19th, 20th overall pick. So he's probably making decent money. And I was like, Blake Fisher's 18 and was just like, you didn't hear his name. The greatest compliment to a, to a to an offensive lineman is not hearing his name for an entire game because he didn't get beat. He didn't have penalties. He just was ridiculously good. And it's like between he and Alt, there's problems on this roster elsewhere, but there, there's not problems to tackle. And if those two stay healthy next year, Tyler Buckner is going to have himself some time to throw. He's going to have some some space to run. So that is that was that again. You're looking for positives in this game. Blake Fisher being a damn superhero was one of them. Yeah. So that was fun. That was very fun to you know to see that. And speaking of, you know who else? It's it's a it's a compliment. By the way, you mentioned him earlier, but I'm going to bring him up again because it's also a great compliment when you don't hear a cornerback's name. Because that means the ball's not going to them and they're not getting passes. You tweeted something about Cam Hart, and I was like, I responded to you. I was like, I legit forgot Cam Hart was playing at mm. times. You, I, I remember seeing five one time, like on on my screen. I remember seeing like the number five on my screen one time uh, because he was playing that well. So uh, hats off to him too because he's playing on a thigh bruise that he suffered, you know, a few days, you know, a few days, uh, a few days earlier. But um, those were those are good tangents there. Um, <laughs> next question we have from Adam Birch uh, at Andy Birchy thirteen. Thank you, Adam. Was the biggest lesson learned yesterday? Also, explain why the loss shouldn't be put on Freeman, and then in uh, parentheses, totally on Freeman. I should say. What's the biggest lesson? The biggest lesson Freeman learned yesterday. Pro- sorry, not just the biggest lesson learned. Biggest lesson that Marcus Freeman learned. Um, I don't know, like how to manage everything. Like yeah. the whole process was a learning experience. Like, and just for the record, like I put, I don't want to say none of it on Freeman. He's that coach, but I, like, I don't, I, I don't put any sort of weight on Freeman as a coach as a result of this game. And honestly, I wouldn't have if they won either because it's not his team. It's not That's, his staff. That is fair. It is not any of his like he he did not plan to be the coach like yeah. he has had to he's had to re- spend all this time recruiting. He has had to spend all this time like trying yeah. to organize everything like this is not you, you just don't show up and it's like I'm the head coach of this bowl game and now I'm in charge of this this huge yeah. Notre Dame ship. Right. So like to me, it's not like it it's not indicative in any way. So like e- positive or negative, right? Um, 
so, but yeah, the, the, the thing that he learned, like to me, he looked nervous. He yeah. looked just completely just like, man, I, I don't, I don't know how to like handle everything, which is to be expected. And yeah. honestly, like, that's totally cool with me. I don't need him pretending to be yeah. anything. Um, but yeah, I don't, I think the biggest learning experience is just like, this is everything that comes with being the Notre Dame head coach, like all of it. Um, and so, so, yeah. Two things. One, Philadelphia Eagles just clinched a playoff spot. So cheers to my, cheers, cheers to my beloved Philadelphia Eagles. Never my wildest dreams. When we had the question a few weeks back uh, from user Austin Bradley that said, what's got a, who's got a better chance of making the playoffs? The Eagles or Notre Dame, and we both laughed and said Notre Dame, obviously, because uh, at the time I think the the Eagles were like two and six or something. Yeah, um, that's a good something, point. Something real bad. Um, so hey, that's awesome. Um, but to your point on Freeman, so you, of all of the things, like look, there was there was a lot of things that happened in that game that are first time head coach things. End of second or end of the first half, first time he's ever done it. So of course he's going to make have you know. Uh, He's gonna make some 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 boneheaded moves. The fourth and seven, deep inside your own territory with three timeouts and three minutes to go, not a good call. Um, the way things were going, like that, because like you you know in that scenario, like if you don't convert, they're in field goal range already. So bad call, in my opinion. That was that was like, but those kind of things are like first time head coach are gonna make bad calls. The only thing that can concern uh yeah it's a concern the the one thing that concerned me on freeman was and maybe this is just me but like i kind of felt like every single time they showed freeman on the telecast he was by himself he wasn't really talking to his other coaches and to your point he looked kind of like a little little lost and a little stoic on the sideline again we weren't there so i mean I, I don't know if he was communicating well with his with his other coaches throughout the game but i didn't see it like i didn't like and brian kelly used to chew assistants out like regularly and, and talk to them i just didn't see that and that would be my like and that's gonna be something he's probably gonna learn though too of like how he interacts with his other coaches on game day and on the sidelines but that was not ideal but in terms of why we shouldn't pin this on him like the the holes in the roster are not his fault obviously it's not his fault that Notre Dame had five healthy wide receivers. It's not his fault that, you know, we had so few linebackers. It's not his fault that the personnel in the secondary is what it is. Because he hasn't, you know, he just signed his first class since he since he signed on uh, or since he, since he joined Notre Dame. So that's the biggest reason to me why you shouldn't put it all on him. Because while there was a lot of coaching issues, a lot of it, ended up coming down to personnel mismatch personnel mismatches just being exploited by a veteran head coach and uh, and a staff that uh, uh, you know that, that had been together one question we didn't get asked I'm gonna ask it to you now though because I've been thinking about this okay. does Notre Dame jump out to 28 quick points if Jim Knowles is still at Oklahoma State and not preparing for his role as the Ohio State or uh, defensive coordinator. 
Do they? I mean, I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe it was, it was something that I thought because I'm like, it took him a little while to adjust, and I was like, I oh, mean, if Knowles was there, I don't, I don't think that would have happened. But anyway, that was just a thought. So we'll continue to go through questions because we're coming up on an hour. We got a lot of questions to go. Our buddy Brendan at Very Piety. Would Spencer Sanders have found less success passing if he was faced with quarterback guru George Whitfield holding a broom rather than a certain Notre Dame quarter, corner? Uh, he would have had less success, yes. yes. Uh, it was a rough day for some, a few in the secondary. We're not going to, we're not going to throw any players under the bus, um, in the, uh, while we're here, but I think everybody who watched that game knows there was, uh, there's, there's a few members of that secondary that are not going to have fun if, and when they review this tape. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're going to want to burn this tape. So, um, but, uh, yeah, no, Sanders might've had a harder time with the broom, uh, just because it would have at least, uh, would have been more pressure than, uh, than he faced. <laughs> so Andrew Callen asks us at a Callen one, uh, did Reese and Freeman outsmart themselves on the last drive before the half? I think we covered that, you know, uh, already, but, um, I don't think they outsmarted themselves. I think they just, I think it was a calculated plan of like, Hey, this is the best that we thought we could have done. Let's not, uh, let's not do anything to shoot ourselves in the foot. Uh, Drew Brennan at Drew Brennan 77 asks, uh, uh, Notre Dame loses pretty infrequently nowadays, but when we do, it seems to be sky is falling reaction from the fan base. Michigan 19 and since he 21 come to mind recently, Notre Dame won 16 straight, from that Michigan game and seven straight from Cincy. How do we get our fans to gather themselves after the loss? Probably a better question for you to answer. Cause I have a hard time with this myself. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think, I think that you, you, who cares? It's kind of like, it's kind of like the, uh, the, the thing with the, the narrative, right? Like, I think people, we get so, um, like, we use the word embarrassing a lot. Hey, some of us and do. It, I know you do. And and it's like, to <laughs> me, it's like, it's not embarrassing. Mm. Like, we're not playing. It's not that's, embarrassing. That's the reason it's embarrassing is because people come on Twitter and troll. Yeah. And in and real you life. Don't want, and you don't want them to, in real life. But you don't want them to do that. But that's, that's why fair. it's embarrassing. Like that's fair. You don't have to give any of that stuff any weight or like, thought. Like you don't have. Well, to. I don't think he's saying it in that regard. I think I think in in terms of interacting with Drew and and just kind of following him, I think he's saying like, how do we get the fan base from not melting down when we lose a game? Because Notre Dame's pretty good. And it's, you can't. You can't. That's true. That it'll always happen. It hit people. The fans have melted down after losses since the beginning of time. That's true. It's just that and I'll tell we you didn't what, have social media. The fact like when I will say this, when Notre Dame fans stop melting down because of losses, just close the program because then like no one cares anymore. Like if we're, if, if, if we get to the point where fans are like, Oh, we lost like then, then, then what are we doing? So the fact that I'll take this as a positive, the fact that fans melt down is a positive is that expectations are raised 
and that fans think that this team can win a title again. And when the meltdowns stop, there's I think that's that that shows that fans at that point are like, well, yeah, we can't win anymore. So why 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 get too upset? So the meltdowns are actually a sign of a healthy program. That is where I've come in this discussion. <laughs> That's right. Message board G- at message board genius on Twitter exists to show fans melting down. And UHND was definitely on message board genius on Saturday. And I was like, I just looked and the four examples they pulled from UHND, not that bad. Not not nearly as bad as I thought they might have been. So uh all right, we got more questions. We got Ryan uh, Set Kowiak says, um, <laughs> "How sore do you think Cone's arm was in the second half, seeing as he was approaching the fifth inning on his pitch count? It probably was pretty damn sore. I mean, what was what was? I, I'd have to go back and take a look. What was his re- the most amount of pass attempts he ever had in a game? He had sixty-eight yesterday. Yeah." I, I I didn't look, but it, I bet you it might not even be double that. I well, probably, no, that's not true. He 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 threw a bunch against Florida State. So let's see, Jack Cohn. I'm gonna look it up as we as we talk and see what his most at least this year was before uh, you know before yesterday. Uh, let's see recent games. Here we go. His most pass attempts in a game this season. Prior to uh, prior to the Fiesta Bowl was thirty. You you did nail that it was um, Florida State thirty five, but he had thirty five against. Stanford so it was almost not. State. It was almost not uh, double. Almost double. It was almost yeah. double. Um, I mean that's a lot, man. I mean hell. Here here you go. Take this. Between Navy, UVA, and Georgia Tech, he attempted sixty nine passes over three weeks. He had sixty eight yesterday. Man, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's it's amazing, honestly. Look, and there, like, I'm, there, there was another question we had about Cone that was disparaging of Cone that I'm not going to read. Because um, let me tell you something. I've been critical of Jack Cone at times this year, and I've called for Tyler Buckner to be inserted into games a lot of times. But let me tell you something. The guy that threw 500 and freaking nine yards. Five touchdowns <laughs> is not the reason Notre Dame lost that game. <laughs> not at all. And there's people on Twitter who were like, oh, cone this, cone that in the second half. It's like, what the hell did you want him to do? He had 340, 50, whatever the hell it was, yards passing in the first half. Near perfect. Ohio, or Ohio. Oklahoma State adjusted in the second half, and it was harder for him to complete passes. And he still ended the game. 509 yards passing. He what, what 526 is the Notre Dame record by uh Theisman. That's how close he was to setting a Notre Dame record. He set a Fiesta Bowl record for passing yards. Like, yeah, the offense stalled in the second half. But guess what? I don't blame Jack Cohn, who they said just drop back every single play and try to find a place to put this ball when they're dropping eight into coverage for the most part, in the second half. Good luck. That is what he was asked to do. And like I said, I, I have not been a, you know, Jack Cohn apologist, we'll say, all year long. And I do think, I'll say at the same time, I do think they could have inserted Tyler Buckner in that game. Like, there were times where you could have put Buckner in 
to try to jumpstart the running game, even when 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 Cone was, was you know was, was doing well, um, without like disrupting things. But the idea that some people are like, oh, thank God Jack Cone's out of here. It's like, yeah, thank God the guy that just threw 509 yards against one of the best defenses in the country is gone. It's like, it's asinine. And I was just like, I, I, I was I was shocked that I was seeing it. I was like, yeah, he's been bad at times this year. But like the Fiesta Bowl, he was not. He made some great freaking throws. And I, it just, no, no, no. That's where I'm at on that. So, um, he completed 65% of his passes for 3,150 yards, 8.2 yards per attempt, 25 touchdowns, seven picks, a passer rating of 151.8. The only quarterback in the Kelly era with a better passer rating than that or a completion percentage than that was Ian Book in 2018. So, uh... It's pretty good. Yeah. I just kind of feel like... I look, the start start to the season... And and look, I think the thing with the immobility stuff has just kind of, like, lingered. But once, once they figured out how to use him and how to run the offense with him as the quarterback. Yeah. It, he was very good. Yeah. And like basically what you would have wanted. I mean, <laughs> he threw for 500 yards against the best defense. Like, I, I, I think that people were just kind of like, oh, it's Oklahoma State, so whatever. Well, he threw for 340 in the first that, half, so is, he should have thrown it, for 680. It is the best. <laughs> it is the best passing, like offensive performance, when you consider the defense played, a probably at least of the Kelly era. Oh, easily. Least. I mean, again, the, the only thing that comes close in my mind that I can remember is the Jimmy Clausen near perfect Hawaii Bowl, but that was freaking Hawaii. Like that's not no, like no, that's what I mean. When you consider the defense, like any time Notre Dame has played a defense as good as Oklahoma State's, they have struggled, struggled. And so and he did it without the running back, without yeah. Kyron. I mean, the the only reason Notre Dame had a chance in this game is because Cone was on fire to start five touchdowns i mean it i mean yeah so like i just can't i can't get in board i'll get on board with jack cone slander no. you know we we wanted him out at the start of the year because you know it wasn't going well and was not i'm sure admittedly he would say like i'm i'm not playing a good brand of football i mean this defense was better than wisconsin's better than cincinnati's yep and he shredded them he did so you know you could talk to me about the second half if you want obviously there were a lot of things that happened but look 
Jack Cohn is not Joe Burrow. And he is not meant to throw 68 passes. And if you have him throw 68 passes, then inevitably some of them are not going to be the best. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, he threw a terrible interception. It's like, yeah, he did. What was it, his 60th pass? Yeah. It's like at some point you're going to throw a pick. I mean, it's, I mean, look at Spencer Sanders, right? Like he had the best game that you could ever imagine. And he almost blew the game with his fumble, an inexplicable fumble, but like the guy had 500 yards total offense and basically carried Oklahoma state to the victory. Yep. So, you know, you just gotta look, he, he played phenomenally. Props to props to props to Jack Cohn. Like I said, and like I said, I admittedly was not the biggest fan of his throughout the course of the year, but I will for damn sure give him credit for what I saw in the Fiesta Bowl. Because they just they to your point, they just like drop back, drop back, throw it 70 times. Like for like he's not Peyton Manning. Like Peyton Manning's gonna have a hard time you ask him to throw it 70 times, right? Like Normally, when you ask your quarterback to throw it as many times as Jack Cohn threw it, the outcome is worse than what we Peyton saw. Peyton Manning never beat Baltimore, or, or never beat uh, Florida. That's true. Never beat him. So I'm just saying, when you ask, the majority of the times you ask your quarterback to throw it 50 times, let alone 60, almost 70, you're going to lose a game. So yeah. props to props to Cohn. Um, we got Peter Smith coming in at his penis. Um, he says, I, I was upset, but I never understood losers tweeting at essentially teens because they had a rough game. Anywho, my question is, <laughs> who do you want at DC? Trestle? Question mark. You brought up Trestle in one of our last pods, um, from Cincinnati. So where, where, what are your thoughts? Seeing the Fiesta Bowl now, what are your thoughts yeah. on DC? I mean, I, I would like him just because it's just, the scheme is the same. It's all yeah. the same, and he knows how to run it. And I think that he – it would be one of those things where it's like Marcus can completely just say, okay, Trestle, like, you got it. Yeah. And kind of go from there. Um, I would and, like it too. And I thought, you know what, I mean, the Cincinnati um, – I didn't think the you know the Cincinnati Alabama game was like a bad indictment of him either, just because the talent <laughs> disparity between those two schools. I was like, okay, they're doing all right, like all things considered. So um, I would be fine with that. It wasn't you know it wasn't Michigan, Georgia, <laughs> where talent was not as uh, you know as 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 much of a difference, but. Right, um, right. I, I I guess my only question would be is if it's somebody like Trestle is like I I just don't know enough probably about Trestle's recruiting to know if that's gonna fly. In in terms of like is he a relentless recruiter who's gonna be yeah. able to uh, to fit in with the mandate? Although if Harry Heaston comes back, mm, that mandate might be not as set in stone as we thought. So yeah, we'll see. Um, I think the one thing that I took away from this game was that. Uh, I do want uh, Notre Dame to bring in an outside hire at DC, and I want it to be somebody who's, uh, you know, who's established, who will fit in, uh, you know, with 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 uh, you know what what Freeman has already kind of 
established from a schematic standpoint. So we'll see. Um, I will say I kind of feel a little bit bad for Cincinnati if they lose. I mean, they already lost Denbrock uh, to uh, to LSU, which I haven't had a time to really. I mean, because we had, we had our own issues yesterday. Um, I didn't have a time to dive in to see how LSU fans were responding to uh, LSU hiring an offensive coordinator who put up six points against Alabama. Uh, I don't know what their response was. I'm sure it was measured and reasonable and rational. Um, but <laughs> I got to feel bad for Cincinnati if they lose their offensive coordinator to LSU. They lose their defensive coordinator to us. And then, I mean, we're looking at their special teams coach too. Um, I mean, at what point does Luke Fickle just go like, what do I, what do I got to do? Um, but um, that would be my only thoughts on that. Although their fans were kind of uh, jerks online. So, yeah, not too upset if they, uh, yeah. if they lose all those coaches. Um, what else do we got here? Cause we are running up on time now. We are, we've been chatting here for a while. We got, um, okay. Here's one from Chris Gates. Um, says curious if, uh, there were a lack of adjustments in the second half or adjustments made that just didn't work. Seems like they stopped sending delayed blitzes, which helped, but weren't enough to answer after a drive or two. So what do you think? Do you think that we adjusted and it just didn't work or the adjustments or there just were no adjustments? Uh, the first one. I think they tried things. They tried to bring more pressure. It didn't work. Then they tried to play a little bit of zone that worked pretty well. I mean, the problem that the, the problem became that Sanders was either getting that getting a matchup that he liked and those receivers were making a play yeah. or they were or he was getting pressured and scrambling and basically gashing us that way. Yeah. And and then, you know, that Notre Dame just hasn't I mean, I feel like they haven't handled tempo well for yeah. like 7 years. Yeah. So, I, I don't know why that is i'd have to dig deeper onto like those issues um but yeah the tempo just got them um you know you you get caught with like the 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 front out there that you don't really like and then you just keep running plays over and over again and and you know it's just kind of exposes like you have a let's say you have your backup d line to start the the drive and then they're out there four plays later and they're just moving the ball. You can't get off the field. And meanwhile, the linebackers are getting spent, you know, and, and it's just, you know, you got the same DBs out there. So you know exactly what you're getting offensively. It's so it's just kind of like you, you're trying different things. And every time you do something, it's like you send a blitz, they come free, he gets away from it. And now you're totally, exposed in the back so i you know at, at some point you need someone to make a play it's just like you gotta get someone to have a big stop or someone to strip sack or something like that to swing the tide and never it just never came and then when they did right so like you get the fumble um you know you get the fumble into the end zone right which is a huge play in the game they're about to go up 10 you get the fumble to the end zone. You get the ball to 20, go three and out. Or maybe that's when they fumbled with digs. Either way, you didn't cash in. 
Yeah, right? it was a fourth down, and, wasn't it? Am I remembering that wrong? I thought that was the failed. I, I can't down. I honestly like it all kind of blends. Either way, yeah. that nothing came of it, right? And then you have the and then Foskey makes the play. And you have a chance to drive down and take the lead. You don't do it. You know, so it's just like the, the defense, when they did get stops, the offense didn't cash in for them. Um, you know, I mean, when that fumble went into the end zone, I had I had Sean Crawford, Michigan State, totally. 2017 vibes. And I was like, this is it. This is it. This is what we needed. We finally got it. I yelled. I scared the dog um, real bad. Dog like covered his face. Uh, he's laid on the couch. He's like, Dad, what are you doing? You're you're nuts. Um, and then yeah, and then we wasted it, which was not ideal. So all in all, it just it was rough. Uh, ah. But it's gonna lead us to a good question. Yeah. What evidence from yesterday's game should give reason? for optimism in 2022 this comes from twitter user golden domer uh it's at uh, philly hilly 93 so i love the username by the way i don't know if you're also a philly fan but go birds uh we're in the playoffs in case you guys haven't heard me say it 14 times on the podcast uh i gotta enjoy it now while i can because it's probably not gonna be a long run but um (laughs) Uh, what evidence from, I mean, I think there's a lot of evidence from, from the Fiesta Bowl that should give optimism for 2022, but what's, uh, what, what are some of yours? I mean, you do one, I'll do one. We'll go back and forth. Um, I, I'll probably, um, steal yours, but I mean, Blake Fisher and Jim uh, Yeah. Those are number one. Those are great yeah. ones. Uh, Lorenzo <laughs> Styles. Lorenzo Styles. How about Lorenzo sure. Styles? Like he's an, he's a wide receiver one. Like and he's a, with a bit the, the thing that I think again most Notre Dame fans probably don't realize is if you go back and you watch Lorenzo Styles' high school film he was not like a traditional wide receiver in high school he ran in a very run heavy offense so the fact that he's done the things that he's done with that lack of of you know it, with that lack of experience in a passing offense is very exciting um, he's gonna have an entire off season to be the the focal point of the Notre Dame. Well, I shouldn't say the focal point of the Notre Dame passing offense because you still got Michael Mayer. But uh, he 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 has an opportunity to be a damn damn good wide receiver. And I can't. I think maybe what maybe Floyd Michael Floyd uh, going into his sophomore year was the last time you maybe had a receiver uh, kind of like this, at least in terms. Although Floyd had a bigger freshman year, Tate Golden Tate. Showed glimpses as a freshman and then blew up. You did, no, no one saw from Tate. No, nah, he had like four catches for like 110 yards or something. Um, same with Fuller. Will Fuller had like four catches, you know, or seven yeah. catches or something for like 115 as a freshman, I think. Something like that. Um, glimpses you saw from those two. So he's probably kind of in between, now that I think about it, what Floyd did and what those guys did. But like in terms of like potential, whew. That that's another one. Uh, so we got Fisher and Alt. We got uh, Styles. What else you got in terms of optimism from from the game? I mean, I, I think that the way that um, they used uh, Tyree was yeah, I really liked it. I I I, I want to see like next year. There's got to be more in the run game. Um, Obviously, 
there just has to be right but yeah i think um with the way they used him in the passing game you know it just like you could totally see the value there and it's yep. just like really good so um that kind of fired me up a good bit yeah cam hart another one to cam me. hart for sure lockdown yeah. corner um we got we're up to four things reasons for optimism from uh from yesterday but they come at pretty good positions. Um, I mean, I think you don't know yet. We, we probably need some answers yet on uh, fifth-year or senior decisions from some others. But, like, obviously, if Foskey's back. I mean, that's a huge one. Yeah. If he's, I if mean, he's like, back. We're talking, like, first-team All-American stuff. If he's back. I mean, it seems he, – he tweeted very ominously today, like, I'm going to make the best decision. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I, yeah, I, I know. I, at first it sounded like – I'm leaving. And I think he was just saying, like, I'm going to make the best decision for me. Chill out. I'm going to. Right. And then I'll let right. you guys know. I think everybody kind of interpreted it at first as like, oh, he's gone. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is like, I think um, I think Foskey. I mean, I he is. God, man, he, if we can get him back next year, whew, he's going to be he's a beast. He's an absolute beast. Yeah. Um, what are some other uh, any, any other areas of optimism from. Lindsay I mean, returning. Lindsay returning. I mean, that's, possession that's, receiver, Braden Lindsay, which is what he turned into. Which is yeah, it's, uh, it's he looked gassed. I mean, obviously, the entire wide receiver core looked gassed, but like when he ran that end around reverse, whatever he, whatever it was, I'm like, well, I think he was. So what I think happened is <laughs> he thought tactics was going to block that that uh, yeah that end. And so what he was doing was he was about ready to throttle down so he could make a cut up, um, like around kind of around the 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 end, but then tactics passed, and then Lindsay tried to like he tried to rev up again, and then the guy got like a fingertip on him and he went down, you know. Yeah. But you made a good point. Like if it's earlier in the game, maybe there's just the extra bit of juice. To where yeah. he gets around the corner. He didn't have to play um, 80 snaps. I mean, honestly, like, dude, he, so 72 passes. Kevin Austin ran 70 routes. Braden Lindsay ran 67 routes. 67 routes. What are their GPS numbers? I want to know what their GPS numbers I, I want to know, too, honestly. Right? Like, my. You run a freaking marathon? <laughs> you run a marathon in that game for I want to know. Huh. <laughs> <sighs> I got tired sitting on my couch drinking beers watching them. <laughs> and I, t you know, and everyone was like, it, it's funny too because everyone wanted Buckner. And every time they ran the ball in the first half, everyone was like, why do you keep running the ball? Like, why are you trying to run? And I tweeted like, and people laughed at me. Like, people were literally laughing at me when I was like, the reason they're running is because they have three wideouts and you can't just throw on every play. Yeah. They will run out of gas. That is, that, that, you know, it's like you ever you ever watched like a like a fifteen hundred race. If you sprint in the beginning, you won't have anything left in the end, and it doesn't matter how much you're up by. Yeah, they will run you down, and that is that is what happened. It did happen. So, hey, a lot of reason for optimism, uh, you yeah. know, from 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 the game. Uh, so, and speaking of, we got one here from uh, Nick. At big big NDFI, how long uh, will it take you to convince yourself the 2022 team is better 
the 95 Nebraska. And I'm getting there, uh, you know, as we're talking about all the talent returning. Uh, I'm not quite there. I'm not quite there yet, but we get, get by like August, I'll be there. Like easily, maybe by April. I don't know. But um, no, there's like, honestly, I think, uh, you know, in terms of just being like super excited for 2022, there, there's there's some clear holes in this roster right now mm. that have to be filled, but Notre Dame doesn't have to play a game for nine months. So they have time to fill them. And we're going to see what they do. Receiver's a big one. And you got to look at safety, uh, you know, potentially in the portal, uh, you know, to find, uh, you know, to find some help. You got help coming in at linebacker, which, um, you know, we, we I, I kind of mentioned it earlier in the pod, but we didn't talk about it. But right now, again, we've now reached January 3rd. We started recording on January 2nd. Um, <laughs> on January 3rd, Greg, what is your best estimation as to who are the three linebackers in a base defense for Notre Dame lining up in Columbus, play one of the 2022 season? Um, one will be Marist. Hell yes. I think the other will be Bertrand. And the third will be Kaiser. That's what I think. You think that's... I, I will be very surprised if that is the three. So uh, you're telling me the... Th- so the wild card to me is Kali. There's two wild cards. Um, are you talking about Sneed? Absolutely. Okay. Um I could see him playing I could, against I, a I, team I, like I mean maybe not starting to but like against Ohio State and their speed. No, I get it. I so mean, look at the fastest I, linebacker on the team when he gets to campus. That is true. That is true. Um, I'm I'm not I'm 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 it's January third, and so yeah. I, if 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 new information comes to light, then I will amend my prediction. I am going to say. At least one of Kali or Sneed is is in the starting lineup next year. Mm. I just I can't see any other way around it. Um, I could see Bertrand potentially moving over to uh, to middle linebacker to take over for Drew White, but I don't know what Bo Bauer is going to do. So that's the other thing, wild card too. If Bauer were to come back because he's got that eligibility, then I could maybe see the starting linebacking core be Bauer, Kali, and Leofau. Hmm. And I think that helps maximize athleticism, um, you know, at the uh, you know at the at, at the position. But um, now there's a lot of questions going back to the original question of like there, there's a lot of roster things that we have to figure out between now and and September. Yeah. Where we know, uh, you know, kind of what this team ceiling is, and we'll figure them out. Um, we had a question about Buckner. You know, just, I think we kind of covered it, but like, I mean, should Buckner have gone in at some point? I think yes. In the third quarter, maybe like after like the second drive where Notre Dame couldn't do anything, insert Buckner. Like you don't need to give him a whole series. How many times this year do we see Buckner come in, run two or three plays, and you're like, wait, what? He just he got like 20 yards in two plays. Why are we taking him out? 
Um, you could have done that. You could have done something to try to jumpstart the uh, the run game. Yeah. So the what I think when when he would have come in, I think you have it correct. I think it would have been. It would have been. So after they scored, I think you would have given Cone one drive that drive, and then it didn't work, and you punted, and then you got to stop. And then, and then you know you get the ball back. You're still up 28-21. I think that I can I, I totally see why you don't because it's like we had this guy who's almost thrown for 400 yards already, and we just need to put a drive together. We don't need to panic, right? I get not doing it at that point, um, but it would have been then because then you say like, look, we need to establish some sort of physicality at this point because what we're gonna we're running down our guys we need we need to just take control of this game my thing with that is like you give the you put a package out there against oklahoma state and the way their linebackers play the way their defense is and you're just you're taking a real chance, you know, and and uh, you know how the game's going with Cone, and it, I just you know to me it was you could have done it, and I would have seen why. Um, it's one of those like it's super. It would have been a super easy like if it goes wrong, it's like why did you do it? You know, yeah. you didn't need to do it. Um, so it's kind of one of those hindsight is 2020 things. If they were going to do it, I would have understood. And, and I also understand why they didn't. So like, to me, when every, like, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about Buckner and I understand that to me, it wasn't, it was never, um, you know, it, it was, it was not, I didn't feel like it was ever his type of game. And so I understand not putting him in and so it's like if i can understand the logic behind it it's like what i would have done is kind of like sure. not really relevant because it's like oh they're the coaches and they want to do something different right but something yeah. like like the thing at the end of the half right i don't understand that that doesn't make any sense to me i don't understand why you're in base when they are so that's one where i'm like that's a mistake shouldn't do that yeah but this is like ah i get it mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, I get, I, like I said, I think I, I, I totally understand not putting him in in the first half. Yeah. Cones on fire. Don't take him out. Uh, scoring 28 points. I think when you start to look at the drives in the second half, though, it's like that's when you look and you say, well, that was probably the time, you know, to try him and to put him in. And if you look, let's see, I'm going to load him up. All right. So, second half drives. You ready for these? Mm. I don't know if you are. It's gross. Um, so first drive, three plays, five yards, punt. Not great. Second drive, nine plays, 35 yards, punt. Third drive, three plays, zero yards, punt. Fourth drive, five plays, 34 yards, fumble. Sixth drive, three plays, four yards, punt. 
Seventh drive, seven plays, 41 yards, interception. Eighth drive, four plays, four yards, downs. That's where I would say you go, let's see, where were we at? Here we were, punt, punt, punt. That's where you, after the third punt, and it's now tied, after the third punt, uh, Oregon, or Oregon, uh, flashbacks, Oklahoma State ties at 28-28. I think that's the time that you're like, what do we have to lose? We just we just went uh, three drives and 15 plays and three punts. Put them in. I think that's where you could have put them in. I should have put them in, but rough. Because, again, that drive where I say you should insert them, they were moving the ball and then the fumble. So Yeah, I, I, it's like to me, I see what you're saying. To me. Once you get to once it got to tied at that point, it was near the fourth quarter. Yeah, you're you're kind of married to Cone at that point. You haven't played Buckner all game. Yeah. So and and not just that, but Cone like he's playing he's playing well. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I get. I, you don't I have can, to play the whole drive though. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, like I can because we set that it. precedent throughout the year. We set the precedent throughout the year where you could put him in for a player to try to rip off a run. And just to jumpstart the offense, like that precedent was set. Yeah. So that's where the questions are, I think, reasonable to, yeah. uh, you know, to. But um, so I think that's all of our questions. Okay. I think that might have been all of them. Yeah. So my question to you, mm-hmm. not on Twitter, throwing it to you, is. Anything you saw or uh, anything that you took from this Fiesta Bowl at all, positive, negative, that you think has any sort of long-term, again, positive or negative repercussions for Notre Dame? Or was this just a, it is what it is, the result doesn't matter, let's get to the offseason and figure the rest of this shit out? Uh, that... And I, I told you before, I, I just think it, it it matters now because it it it's you know a day later yeah. and you're thinking about it and you're lamenting it and it, it's upsetting. Mm. Um and I had someone ask me a question, like, do you think it was for um do you think it was for the best ultimately? I saw that those questions. Yeah. And and my my response is, you know. Everything that happens, you make the best of it. It doesn't matter what the outcome is. You always find a way to make the best of it. Per- a perfect example of that is is Brian Kelly leaving. Never would have thought, like, bef- like right after Stanford, right? Brian Kelly leaving, that's good for the program, right? But he leaves, and you, you have to say, okay, how do we – how do we make this a good thing? How do we make this a positive for the program? And and I think that everyone felt like they kind of did, you know. And and so whatever happens, you make the best of it. And yeah. so are there positives to take from it? Yeah, absolutely. Right. It it shows you like okay, this is where the holes are. This is how you win at Notre Dame, and this is how you lose. And this is what it is to coach in a big game like this. 
And, and so you take that experience, you take that knowledge and you learn from a loss and you, you go from there. Right. And sometimes it's hard to lose from a victory or sometimes it's hard to, uh, to take something away from a victory, right. To make a change where it's like, ah, you know, we won. And so therefore what I did worked, it's like you lost. And so how do we make it better next time? So to me, it's like you, it doesn't matter what the outcome is. You always take the information, you take what you, what happened and you make the best of it. So. It's a very reserved and, uh, and well thought out, uh, response, uh, and, <laughs> uh, and take, you know, partly how I feel about this. Um, yes, I think so to me, the biggest issue with how this played out is the narrative will continue. And I know you think it doesn't matter because we've talked about this. However, when you have the recruits that you want to come to Notre Dame to help you reverse this, watching game day and watching whatever the hell else, you know, whatever other coverage there is, continually putting up the graphics, Notre Dame, 0-8 in New Year's 6 PCS games. No other school under you know has has as bad of a record. And then you add in the fact that now the now when they update these, they're gonna say Notre Dame 0-8 and also blew a 21-point lead in one of them. It's like that's the part that I think is not great. Is that it continues that you got Marcus Freeman, who's been doing a hell of a job recruiting, going out there trying to sell kids on, hey, come to Notre Dame. You get the best of both worlds. You set up for your future, and you could challenge for a national championship. And you're gonna have other coaches saying they can't even win that bowl game, and they can't even win a New Year's Six game, let alone a national championship. And that yesterday, Saturday, whatever, it would have given you just the opportunity to cross it off the list and just say, yeah, guess what? No, we did that. We've taken care of that. There's not an issue here anymore. And it's like. It's more of a it just makes it harder for Freeman and staff, I think, on the you know, on the recruiting trail until they get the monkey off, you know, off, uh, you know, off our back in terms of, uh, you know, the uh, the major bowl game. So I think that's the that's the biggest bummer of it at, for me at all, because it's like there's so there was so much optimism coming in and it's like the win or a win would have just been like whew, catapult like, oh, like. This dude just came in. He said about all this crazy recruiting stuff. He won the major bowl game. Like it would have just been like it. It would have continued that. And I think that's the biggest bummer for me. Where it's like ah, so close, so close to doing that. And hell, look, Brian Kelly went 12 years and couldn't do it. So like I'm not gonna get on Marcus Freeman because he couldn't do it in four weeks. When Kelly had 12 years and couldn't do it, and why you know Weiss had five. Willingham at three and Davey at five, and none of them could do it either. So it, it's it's not a indictment on Freeman by any means at this point, but it's just like ah, oh, when you look again, and when you look at the fact that we were up twenty one, it's like it was there, it was so close. All you had to do was just complete it, and you played perfect for twenty nine minutes, near perfect for twenty nine minutes, and then you played like as imperfect as you possibly could have for thirty one. Um, and I think that's the frustrating part. I think you're gonna this team's gonna learn a lot. I, I hope Marcus Freeman learns a lot from this. Um because his next game is just is is even harder. So 
we'll see what happens. But um, that was my main takeaway is that just a bummer. It's a bummer. Like it is, it, it could have been a very nice, I mean, it would have just continued the, all the positive vibes from the coronation of uh, Marcus Freeman. But yeah. uh, here we are. So uh, it doesn't mean he's not you know, going to be a great head coach, last head coach to lose their last full-time head coach to lose their first game was Lou Holtz. Last Notre Dame head coach to blow a 21-point lead was also Lou Holtz. Mm-hmm. Last head coach to win a national championship at Notre Dame was Lou Holtz. So, hey, you know what? We wanted uh, we wanted some streaks to end yesterday. Uh, a couple others, uh, you know, were snapped that we didn't want, but is what it is. Um, we'll see the long-term ramifications of the uh, of the Freeman era. Yeah, we're at uh, oh yeah, we're at, we're at a long time. So it's funny. <laughs> it's funny that we're at an hour and forty because I remember looking at an hour and fifteen and being like, oh, we're not that long into this. We have one review to read, and then we'll close this off. And it's very yeah. fitting after what I just said, Greg. <laughs> Here is the review. It's from Dylan Domer. He left it for us on New Year's Eve. Thank you for ringing in the new year with uh, Single High and the Notre Dame Football Podcast. Titled, Not Long Enough. Uh, Okay, maybe hour-long podcasts are plenty long, but with all respect to the last reviewer, keep them as long as those 9% beers will allow. I've got a long commute and a lot of dog walking, so I'll take as much Notre Dame content as you care to make. Next, he says... Uh, are you guys going to change the intro next season? Question. Maybe you can have a new player every year, record a piece. Give me Blake Fisher or Cam Hart next year and start a fun new annual thing. Great pod. Appreciate the mix of detailed analysis and casual riffing. Go Irish. I don't know, but we'll, we'll see about the intro. We'll have to, we'll have to see. We'll see what's in the budget. Uh <laughs> Uh, but hey, I think we can we can officially call this the last episode, at least of season one of, of Single High. We'll start season two for the 2022 season with the next episode, which we'll figure out when we're going to record that. But dude, I think this is 44 episodes. It was a lot. We went from zero to 44 in a year. Zero to 44. That's not bad. Less than a year. Yeah, less than a year. We started, what, a July, I think. Yeah. Woo-wee. So there we go. So we'll have 100 next year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, buddy. I know you got to go. I know I got to go because it's late as hell here on the East Coast um, and I need to sleep. So any parting shots? What are your what are your what are, what are your thoughts? Anything? Uh, we're on to uh, coaching hires. We're on to, you know, recruiting and uh, players returning to the team. So Transfer portal. Transfer portal. All January is not going to be a slow month. It no, it's not. not. Be a slow month for Notre Dame news and, and content. So it'll be fun. We're going to talk about it. Uh, and hey, hopefully we fill in some of these roster holes that uh, <laughs> that, uh, that the light keeps shining on. We get in these damn bowl games. But uh, as always, thank you for listening, reviewing. Uh, you all should leave reviews as nice as Dylan Domer just did for us. So if you all want to leave more of those, we'll read them. We're going to start reading them in the beginning. I keep forgetting that. We're going to start with these. But anyway, uh, leave us some reviews. Keep subscribing. Keep listening. As always, go Irish.